there is no hate to Stewie. Like Stewie is extremely deserving. If Asia would have won it, she's extremely deserving. Exactly. What, what a time for our league that we have three candidates that had phenomenal last seasons to be yeah. like even in the in the mix for it. But what Alyssa Thomas has done this season, we have never seen in this league. Never. What Stewie has done, what Asia has done, we've seen it before. Like yeah. I'm not. I'm not taking no knock off of that because what they are able to do right now and the efficiency that they are yeah. playing at two all season, like that is something to be said. But again, if you take AT off of Connecticut, they are not in the semifinals. Yeah. They're yeah. not even close. I don't even know for real, like if they would, I'm going to say they would be in the playoffs because DB is still tough. Like they mm-hmm. have other pieces, right? And Tiff and Beck, but AT is QB1. She yeah. is defender one. She is like, she has triple double. All of it. I don't know if y'all understand how hard it is to have a triple double. Like, oh my God. And for on two real. torn shoulder labrums. That's what I'm saying. Like, pause. Yes. You're doing what? Yeah, people would be trying to flame her for a shot. I'm like, if y'all only knew she has two torn labrums up there. So welcome back to Sometimes I Hoop. We've got a tough veteran hooper on the pod today. A quick humble brag about our superstar, 2019 WNBA champ, Washington Mystics franchise leader in assists, 2022 WNBA All-Defensive First Team, none other than Natasha Cloud. Thanks for being yeah. on. Thank you for hyping me up, girl. <laughs> girl, you deserve it. You deserve I it. appreciate it. How you doing? I'm good. I Rookie season is over. Now I get some chance to relax, which is okay, much needed. Just take a breath. Just take a breath. Take Do you plan on going overseas this year? I didn't ask you that. Um, possibly in January is the plan. Okay. Take some time I'm coming off the college year and then yes. maybe go overseas later. I think that's really smart because that's what I might do too. Yeah, but some time yeah. to decompress for sure. For Absolutely. Sure. Like just lock myself in this room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll just jump right into the landscape of what's going on right now. Playoffs are in full swing. You and I both got knocked out in the first round, which was tough. <sighs> it's <was> tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, you were on one creating chaos out there, wreaking havoc on the defense. Uh, the man. You, you had a 33 it. ball, which was insane. <laughs> but insane. Insane. But just talk to us about the series. What was that like? You were just being a menace out there everywhere. So tell us about it. Yeah, honestly, we were happy that y'all finished in six because we just didn't match up with Dallas well. So we were like, we're, as a team, we feel much more comfortable going into a series with New York. We had just played them. We felt like we matched up well. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously the story of our season was just injuries. And for any team to lose three starters for two months of their season, I don't even know if a team would have gotten into playoffs. So with that being said, I'm really proud of our team, our resiliency, we played with the great eight for like two months. Um, but that's that series. We finally got Elena back. We got A back. Um, obviously, we're still missing Shakira, which people don't give her the credit that she deserves. She is the anchor of our defense. Like mm-hmm. you want to talk about. Yes, I like to get out and guard. But when I get beat, the first thing I yell is Kira. So <laughs> <laughs> not having that luxury of having a rim protector, someone that can bang with fives. That was really hard for us all season. But Game one, New York kind of came out. They were on fire. Everyone, what they were shooting percentage-wise from the floor was like, crazy. literally, we can't do nothing. Like, there is nothing that we can do that's slowing you down. And uh, obviously, I started on Sabrina, but we were switching a lot more um, within Mm -hmm. the first game. And so I feel like she got freed up, got off, had like 7-3, set like a a record. So going into game two, for me, it was completely, I got to be a villain. I got to take Sabrina completely out of 
being an X factor for them and switching us, me getting off of it, that just doesn't benefit us as a defensive minded team. So just trying to keep a bigger, stronger guard on her, get in her stuff, kind of get into her head. Like there was points where they were coming down and we would be in the corner and I would literally just have, I would be face guarding her, have my head on her stomach, like pushing her with my head, just like straight villain stuff. And it's respect. Like a lot of people at the end of the day, I think I get made to be a villain, but I really am just passionate about this game. I love defense. I love being our go-to defender. And that night, it just so happened that my defense brought my offense too. And playing in that environment in a Barclays center that sold out, we dream of those Mm -hmm. moments since we're kids. So I was definitely like in the driveway, like, oh yeah, three, two, one on the shot clock, just pulling stuff. Um, But it unfortunately didn't kind of fall in our favor. And that's the part of the game, right? Failure is a part of this game and it's why we love it. It's why we continue to fight and get better and reattack and figure out pivot different ways. And it was hard, but Mm-hmm. you always want to win a championship it's always hard to get knocked out and to be swept that's not fun either yeah. like as a competitor that shit sucks for me like I I was a sad girl for like three straight days <laughs> afterwards it stings it stings you gotta wallow it in it for stings. a bit but not too you long you have to yeah not yeah. too long but like sitting there for like two days don't leave the apartment <laughs> no one say nothing to me <laughs> I'll wait I got you I got you yeah you talked about just the ups and downs that you guys went through as a team this year. Yeah. And when when you look at that roster fully healthy, it's scary. Like y'all it's have a scary. lot of weapons. And a you lot. talked about like, especially Shakira, right? She really mm-hmm. holds it down. And you have so many weapons with you and Brittany and Elena. The, oh list just, the list just goes on. But just to think about, you know, you guys come in almost healthy into the postseason. Mm-hmm. It, it really changed the tides to see yeah. you guys are a sixth place team. Like, there's no way. It's crazy. <laughs> like, there's no way. no way. And I appreciate it, Coach Sandy, for being like, we're playing a top four team in our yeah. league when they're healthy. So just having that respect, because uh, I feel like for those two months that we were really grinding and Slim and I put the team on our back for a you little really while did. there. And that was, people don't talk about mentally how hard that is, especially when three starters are out and new coach, new kind of everything. It's just a lot fell on our shoulders. But that's one thing I'm super thankful for is the, we brought Slim in and Slim to my career I don't know. It's just like, that's my poppy crop, but uh, we're, we're able to hold each other accountable. Like, y'all see us arguing the game. She'll be like, you need to get there. I'm like, shut your ass up talking to me. You're not my dad. <laughs> I'm weak. Y'all do be goofing, You're but it's so serious. Yeah. It's that's so hilarious. Because we just both want to win at the end of the day. So I've been super appreciative of that poppy crop kind of duo. Um, and she made me better. That two months where we had a lot on our shoulders and it was just kind of crazy and chaotic. It made us such better players, leaders, like all around better people too. Yeah. I mean, just talking about the role that the two of you had this year on that Mystic squad, it seemed like, you know, you've always been a vocal leader and everything like mm-hmm. that, but really having to step into that role of being the two vets on the court, what did it take to kind of build that chemistry between the two of you that then just oozed off into the rest of the team when it was just that grade eight for a few good months? <laughs> oh, like okay. y'all were running it. <laughs> We was running it. I'll be honest with you. At first, Slim coming in, I, I've been with the Mystics my my whole entire career. I've been there eight years. I've won a championship. I've been QB1. So like everything typically goes through me. So adding Slim in, another point guard, I've never had that before. Like mm-hmm. even when Christy played, yeah, we would dibble dabble between the one and two, but she's a Christy Tolliver is a scoring two. Like yeah. that's just what it is. She has the mind of a point guard, but she's a scorer. So 
Now bringing in another point guard and we play like, we play similar, but we play different at the same Mm -hmm. time too. Um, So that was an adjustment at first. And so Slim is super dope. She's like, I just didn't want to come in and step on toes. And I was like, but I never, I never viewed it like that because it was just for me, like, this is what the mystics are used to, but you Mm -hmm. have to be able to adjust and pivot and really like be coachable, be a great teammate, figure out what's working for you. But quickly, me and Slim figured out, like, we were best friends. It was like stepbrothers. Like, can we just become best friends? Yup. <laughs> sure. Yup. Yup. <laughs> the uh-huh. Poppy Krause, all that. So I think that dynamic really set us up for something positive moving forward. Obviously, when all three starters went out, we had a lot of growing pains because both me and Slim are rah-rah players. Like, mm-hmm. we're getting into it. We're emotional. I'm a double Pisces. She's an Aquarius. <laughs> like, we are just, that is fire. That is fire yeah. on fire. On top of it, we're both loud. We're both obnoxious. Like mm-hmm. it was the biggest challenge of my career thus far that I had to tap into my water and figuring mm-hmm. out how do I tap into water? Because we so often as players, that fire, that's what drives us, right? That's what makes us great. That's what sets us apart. But in that water is actually more powerful than that fire. So how do I learn how to tap into this water when my team is not necessarily responding to my fire that it has the last seven years? So I had to really take like a step back and be like, am I doing everything that I need to do as a leader? Because regardless, in those two months, that's a lot of pressure. So it's like, we're losing and I'm playing like some of the greatest basketball. And it's just like, Slim and I, the dynamic of our friendship, like being able to sit down after really frustrating games, cry it out if we needed mm-hmm. to, like argue it out if we needed to, argue our point, argue her point, challenge each other and be like, you know what, you ain't leaning into your water right now. So I need mm-hmm. you to lean into your water. I think that was like the greatest jump of my career this year. And I'm really proud of it because even in failure, like there was points that I failed as a leader. And people don't talk about that. Like there was points that I failed as a leader, but being able to be accountable for those failures and be like, you know what? That was a flawed moment for me. I want to work on it. I want to get better. Actually, one of our games was against Mm y'all. And I don't know if you remember it, but y'all smacked the shit out of us on the road. It was like an eight game road trip. We had lost every game on that road trip and we were finishing with y'all. And I remember being in that game, watching it back and my body language was terrible, like Mm -hmm. terrible. I had to go home and sit with that and figure out, okay, am I really about being the leader of this team? Am I really about being QB1? And if I am, I have to make adjustments of how I lead moving forward, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of how depleted it is. uh, This is the role that, you know, God gave me. So I have to figure out how to fulfill it to the best of my ability. No, I mean, for sure. I think a lot of the points you made, it makes a lot of sense where we're so used to playing with such passion. And especially that's the role that you've been in your whole career where it's like, I'm the energy, I'm this and that. And so having somebody like Slim come in where both of you are going through that same thing and being able to hold yourself accountable, but have somebody else to check you as well, where it's like, okay, we can get on each other, this and that. But just talking about finding your water. It's hard to do and it's hard to stay consistent with it. It's hard. And so when you're going through times where you're 
not being the leader you want to be. You're on this eight game losing streak. Things like that are hard. What did you do to yeah. tap back into that and really find your water again, find that leadership role that you need? Because I know, you know, your team feeds off of you. So it's like when they see you yeah. get riled up and your body language isn't there, they're going to be like, all right, I can cool out. I can relax. It's I can like, be the same way. And then I'm like, damn, no, y'all like, <laughs> like no. Me up and like, hold yeah. on, this ain't what we're supposed to be doing. I think the biggest thing that I learned through finding my water was my mindfulness. And mm -hmm. mindfulness has been something that I've practiced since my third year in the league. We actually, the Mystics organization, we've always had a sports psych, uh, Stu Singer, and he's been outside of Sifu Bernard, our player development. He has changed my career. Uh, when I first came into the league, right as a point guard, you know, obviously mm -hmm. you, you got moved into that point guard it's position. Tough. <laughs> it is not like people think that shit is easy and it is not easy. Is I got to know all the plays. I got to be able to know what plays to call, when to call, at what point in the game. I got to make sure my shooters, my scorers are getting shots. Like I got to make yeah. sure everyone's in the right position. It's a lot. So I feel like in my first three years, I just, I didn't necessarily have the vet leadership that I needed either. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of chaotic and that mindfulness, being able to tap into, listen, your feelings are valid. Whatever you feel as a human being are valid, but what are the solutions that we can present that will help you move on in those moments that, you know, you have a bad turnover. You shouldn't be carrying it over at three possessions. Like you got to yeah. be able to just feel it, let it go, focus on something else. But more than anything, just being like my meditation in the mornings or before games being able to sit, be where my feet are, breathe, get my body to like a neutral position, right? Because our bodies naturally take a fight or flight approach to everything in life. But especially when we're playing, we are in complete fight mode, like all the time. So in those moments of fight and fire, how do I get to my water? Even in timeouts and stuff, people will be like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm breathing because my fire, like my gorilla is coming out and I feel it. And I'm yeah. trying to push that thing back down. So Definitely mindfulness, definitely my breathing um, and just like mindfulness is working on yourself and being okay with being human and being flawed and having, you know, shortcomings. But what are the solutions to those shortcomings that will help us get back into the direction that we need to go? Oh, for sure. I think what you said just about like tangible solutions, because a lot of times yes. these big picture things and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. Haley, where do you want to be? Where do you want to do that? And it's like, what's yeah. the small tangible thing I can do to make a difference right now that will help what's me in this moment? Yes. The lowest hanging fruit that I can grab. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what you need in the midst of a game. It's like, I need that quick thing because if I'm turning yeah. it over two, three times, I'm like, I need a moment. Like, hey, I, I need a moment. Like, now my confidence, I'm, I'm playing like <laughs> trash out here. I don't know what, what's going yeah. on. Like, if you remember when I wrote you mid-season too, yeah. I just, I loved you at Stanford and mm -hmm. you're cold, like a two-way player. And so I understanding how hard it is to come into that point guard position, I was like, I'm going to reach out to her because mm -hmm. I want you to know that I see you. I appreciate you. It's not easy, yeah. but you are, you are up for the challenge, right? And you always have been. It's just you being confident in that and just finding, right, those low-hanging fruits that, yeah. okay, these are things that we can just focus on to be impactful for, and then our game will just blossom because of those things. Oh, yeah. That meant the world to me. I literally, I opened up my phone and I called my mom. <laughs> I was like, mom, she knows who I am. <laughs> 
I was like, you know, when you get like a fun message and you're like, yeah. okay, wait, do I respond fast? What do I say? Do I play I'm it cool? <laughs> yeah. I'm like over here <laughs> drafting up messages like, okay, so what do I say to sound cool, but thankful and thoughtful? Yeah. It was so funny. But no, that, yeah. that was great. It meant the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember you, we played y'all at home and you had had maybe like a turnover or two and we had got down to a sideline down the bounds and you were going up to catch the ball. And I was like, baby, just breathe. Like, it's yeah, okay. I, then you I fucking like, scored on me. No, then you scored on me. I was like, not, don't breathe that much. Like, just take a chillax. I was like, relax. <laughs> I didn't mean breathe like that. <laughs> hey, now. Yeah, sub her out and then breathe. I was like, damn. <laughs> that is hilarious. I loved, I loved it, though. I loved it, though. Yeah. Okay, well, jumping back into the playoffs right now, Aces are up 2-0 against the Wings. Liberty and Sun mm-hmm. are tied. What have you been liking in these first few semifinals games? Because I feel like they've been a little all over the place. They've been close, and the, then Dallas yeah. Aces have, have not been so close, but it's it's a lot. Honestly, the Dallas Aces series surprised me more than anything because mm-hmm. Dallas has been so great all season long. And yeah. they present, like, you want to talk about, like, bigs in our league are slim pickings. They have, like, six of them. All of them. <laughs> six, five, six, five, six, 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 seven, six, seven. I'm like, y'all is the monsters, and I love it. But For real. The Aces are phenomenal, right? And Asia is just playing on a different level. Like, even watching yeah. the game the other night, I was like, oh, the MVP thing going to turn her up. But yeah. seeing the look in her eye, that woman is determined to win a back-to-back, and you can mm-hmm. see it. So it's like, who literally is going to get in front of her and stop her? Like, who is going yeah. to take it upon themselves? And so... That Dallas series is a little surprising. Satu needs to get herself going. That's the Mm -hmm. X factor for Dallas. It always has been. She's the unicorn for that team. So playing Sunday at home, Dallas is great at home. They're great at home. Their uh, arena is really hard to play in. So I know that team. I know Enrique. Like Those are some hoopers. So they're going to do anything in their power to not get swept. As far as the New York series, New York and Connecticut series, like that is the series that I'm very invested into because it is so close. Like, those two teams play each other really well. Uh, New York obviously tied up the series 1-1. I feel like mm-hmm. Connecticut came out in that first game and punched New York. Like, it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a wake-up call for New York. Like, this is a different series than our series with them. Connecticut is a team that will literally run through you to win a game. They don't care. So you have to match yeah. their physicality. And I don't think that New York did that on in the first game. But I will say the other night, New York came out and I was so excited to see them match that physicality because I didn't know if they could. Mm -hmm. I'm not just me being honest with you. Like that physicality that Connecticut plays with is a different type of dog. And I don't think people realize that. So I'm excited. Connecticut is really hard to play at. They're great at home. It's really hard to get a win in that building. But New York is just a great team. I would like to see Stewie get going. I would like to see mm-hmm. them get Stewie some easier touches early so she's not shooting contested shots all the time. But yeah, other than that, Benaja Laney has been the X factor for them. I was and just she's about not talked about enough. She is not talked about enough. And it makes me so mad because you can have those franchise players and we right, we love it. Mm-hmm. But you the only way that franchise players are franchise players is if everyone else around them does their role. And mm-hmm. Naj does her role to the best of her ability. And plays hard every single night. She brings it every single night, whether yeah. they have it or not. So um, I just want to make sure I give a shout out to her too, because she's playing phenomenal. It's not just her offense, her defensive mentality that she has. She's it's always crazy. matched up. She's always matched up against like that top wing on the other team. Yes. And she applies that pressure full court. She's full strong. Court, like, she's physical. 
me up. And I'm like, girl, you are a strong body. Back, yes, up. back up a little bit. It's just back up. crazy. Me, yeah, half court. Me, yeah, exactly. Half court. Exactly. <laughs> but she just brings so much to that team. I think like that dog that she has in her brings they New York it. to a different level. Getting on the glass, diving on the floor, just being For physical, sure. especially with like Connecticut where you have so many different options with you got Tip Hayes, you got DB, oh you got God. Thomas, like all these different looks that they're able to bring, especially with Tip going off for a 30 ball the other day. It's just Let's like, talk about it. That Let's was amazing. She was hot and she's talking her stuff. She talking about you can't guard me, all this other you stuff. I was, I, said, I was oh lit watching the game. I was like, oh, and they kept zooming in on her mouth they too. They kept zooming. I loved it. Oh, loved it was it. good. It was good. That's what, people don't know. We talk shit in our league. I think oh, they yeah. think that like it's all cool by all, but no, like we're cool no. off the court. But when we step across those lines, like it's it's different. It's a different ball game. But I'm yeah. glad that you brought Tip up too because she's been another player that's just been kind of she did her thing in Atlanta for years, but because mm-hmm. Atlanta didn't necessarily get the attention that they wanted at the time, like she yeah. wasn't necessarily pushed out there. But her and Becca Allen. Yeah. Her and Rebecca X-Factor. Allen. The X Factor for Connecticut. The yeah. the pickup of them in the offseason made Connecticut, who was already like a championship team and was missing pieces, mm-hmm. those were their missing pieces. So it's excited to see them playing so well right now for them. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And Tip has the quickest first step I have ever witnessed. When oh I tell you God. we played them in our I think we played US preseason and then we played them uh-huh. after. Somehow I got matched up with her immediately, <laughs> immediately rip drive baseline. And I stood there and I was like, I literally, we watched it in film and they're like, yeah, Haley, you just had to eat that one. You just got to <laughs> eat it. Like it's your first game. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. There is literally nothing you can do, but it's not even her first step. So Tiff always starts with a jab. Yeah. So she's reading the defense. Like she is trying to see what it is that you're going to do. But what people don't give her credit for is her read off of that jab is ridiculous. If you don't step, she's going. If oh, you yeah. step, she's going the opposite way. And that's where that first step becomes so dangerous. So oh, yeah. Tip is just elite offensive scorer. And she always has been since her Connecticut days. Mm-hmm. I think that she's going to go crazy in this series against New York, especially because she already found her confidence. Oh, she's yeah. a player that once she finds it, it's not leaving. Oh, tell me about it. After that first jab she got me, I was like, put me on somebody else. <laughs> she, she was like, bring that ball back. I'll be like, I said, relax. <laughs> I said, Big Al, you better go get her. Let me get somebody yeah. else. Or like, let me just force it into the ball screen now and y'all got to help me that way. <laughs> yeah, we're going to figure it out a different way because what? Yeah. I was hot. Yeah, that but, first step is lethal. But, I mean, in this playoffs right now, we have so many heavy hitters. We have all three of that MVP race. Stewie ended up getting it. But okay, did, what was your opinion? I was, I was about ask to you ask you. No, okay, so you my, my prediction prior, I always laid it out. And first of all, three of some of the most amazing players we've ever amazing, seen, right? Amazing, amazing, like, amazing. All of them are having these stellar seasons as they all yes. always do. And so I was like, okay, Asia gonna do her, Stewie gonna do her. But for me, AT... Talk having, about it. Having Talk a season it. like this where you're averaging almost a triple-double mm-hmm. and you're doing it on a team where Brianna Jones, who's an all-star, goes out. Connecticut yes. would not be where Connecticut is without you. AT doing what she's doing. And That's so I've always been like, you know, Stewie and Asia, amazing, amazing. MVP caliber seasons. But you take Asia and Stewie off of those teams. You can They're talk about Aces, good. Kelsey, Jackie, Chelsea, right? You just go they on and on so and on. Good. Exactly. But you take AT off of Connecticut and the value that she brings there is, yeah, it's uncomparable. 
Exactly. So that's always been my argument. But flip it back to you. It seems like we have a similar point of view going <laughs> we on do, here. We do. I think because we both appreciate underdogs too, right? Yeah. Of like, yeah. there is no hate to Stewie. Like Stewie is extremely deserving. If Asia would have won it, she's extremely deserving. Exactly. What, what a time for our league that we have three candidates that had phenomenal last seasons to be yeah. like even in the in the mix for it. But I had the same sentiments. What Alyssa Thomas has done this season, we have never seen in this league. Never. What Stewie has done, what Asia has done, we've seen it before. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking no knock off of that because what they are able to do right now and the efficiency that they are yeah. playing at too all season, like that is something to be said. But again, if you take AT off of Connecticut, they are not in the semifinals. Yeah. They're yeah. not even close. I don't even know for real, like if they would, I'm going to say they would be in the playoffs because DB is still tough. Like they mm-hmm. have other pieces, right? And Tiff and Beck. But AT is QB1. She yeah. is defender one. She is like, she has triple double. All of it. I don't know if y'all understand how hard it is to have a triple double. Like, oh my God. And for on two real. torn shoulder labrums. That's she does all thing. this on two torn shoulder labrums. That's what I'm saying. Like two torn labrums, right? First of all, I didn't even like know that until like a few years ago. And I was like, pause. Yes. You're doing what? <laughs> yeah. Like, people would be trying to flame her for a shot. I'm like, if y'all only knew she has two, yeah. two torn labrums up there. And then you take that into account. She's doing all of this. No three balls. You're no three balls. Zero. Triple dubs, no three balls. It's like and you the get way that you guard teams. her. Exactly. And then on top of that, you're doing it from a forward position. And then yes. you take Brandon Jones out of the equation. She's kind of playing the center in their starting lineup. So for she you is. to be for you to be averaging a triple dub playing the center is insane. You're out here it's guarding insane. Big T, getting a triple dub, grabbing rebounds, L- doing like- whatever. And doing your damn thing, like yeah. doing it at such an elite level every single night. There there hasn't been like an off moment for AT. And what sucks is that even I experienced it. I had never been voted on to an all-defensive team until like maybe 2021, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that I feel like I got voted in is because I started going off in my media interviews after. I'm like, y'all going to start talking about me. Mm-hmm. Y'all are going to start talking about me because if you're not going to do it, I'm going to advocate for myself. And I feel like AT started to do that this season because it's like, what more do I need to do for y'all for y'all to give me my flowers? And I'm tired of hearing that AT is not marketable. I'm tired of hearing that oh, yeah. uh, she's not one of the bigger fit. She is. Mm-hmm. She is. But AT is very much just a low key. She stays out of the way. She knows who she is. She's confident in who she is. And she does her job every single night. She shouldn't have to advocate for herself. So that's the frustrating part within like the voting around our league is yeah. like there is bias. The fact that someone gave Asia Wilson and I'm I am determined to figure out. I am determined who? to figure out who gave Asia Wilson that fourth place because you got to see me and that's not even my teammate. The way you got to see me. The way you are literally taking my questions as <laughs> It's so good because... Don't get me going. The, the following questions were, who are the voters? The fourth place? Who's yes. voting? I want to know media. Who, who gave the, media, the fourth place the, vote? The media. The media. <laughs> which is and crazy. Me, which is crazy to me. Like, I'm. Uh, it's no hate. Like, let me say this. The people that cover our league, we love y'all. Because there is so many different media outlets that still don't want to be a part of our league, that don't want to. Yep. It is crazy to me. So I do appreciate the people that do like cover our league as our media people. But with that being said, y'all on some bullshit. 
because your bias, you truly have to go into voting as Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So with a lot of our media, even for me, I'm friends with some of our media. Like I will go out, I will be out and about with them. I'll hang out with them. You're naturally going to have a bias towards your friends. And Mm -hmm. I think that happens a lot within our voting. Also like personal biases. You might've been a UConn fan. And you don't like South Carolina. So that's why Asia got a fourth place vote. Like Mm -hmm. that to me, that's just the pettiness and the bullshit that I feel like if we if we just put out there what media personnel voted and who they voted for the same as the NBA does. Yeah. It takes away that bullshit voting. Mm -hmm. And I know I know a lot of media because Courtney Williams had tweeted that the other day and some media had come back and been like, no, there's no one more biased than players. no. I feel like there's no one more brutally honest than us as players. Like I agree. I'm playing against you. So like, yes. you're out here giving me buckets. I got to right. respect you. No matter right. if my feelings about you personally, I respect you because of your play. I just feel like as a whole, if we voted like the people, AT would have been voted MVP if our league yeah. voted. Like if players voted, coaches voted, I, I, I really do feel like AT would have won because we see her. We all are in some way being like, you know what, damn, like at some point you got to give this girl her flowers before it's yeah. too late. Right. So, I mean, it is what it is. Again, I like congrats to Stewie in all of mm-hmm. this. I don't ever want to take away from Stewie and the player that she is. And unfortunately, I don't think that's what the media understands is because they vote with bias. Now Stewie gets looked at like, oh, you didn't deserve this. No, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. You played a phenomenal season. You deserve this. But what AT is doing on the other side has never been done in our women's game ever. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, just talking about the media biases and who gets coverage XYZ, I feel like we have a lot of underrated players in our leagues that don't get talked about. Talking about people like you, people like AT, who's having MV caliber season, but you Mm -hmm. just don't see her in the media as you do other players. So who do you feel like were some standout underrated players in the W this year? Oh, I love that question. First and foremost, Courtney Williams for Mm -hmm. Chicago. Courtney wasn't a point guard until this year. Yeah, and played amazing in that role. um, you want to talk about triple doubles? Like I, I as an eight-year point guard, I haven't had a triple double yet. Like mm-hmm. I've been close. I've been on the cusp. Courtney is another person that has had multiple triple doubles and yeah. doing it with a team that their coach left, mm-hmm. their players got hurt. You have, again, you want to talk about starters going down. You have Rebecca Garner and Izzy Harrison that go down yeah. and you have to figure out how to now play a season without them. Yeah, I really do feel like Courtney uh, went crazy this year. I'll say... My teammate, Slim, uh, yeah. I want to say Slim doesn't get the respect. A big one. That, that's probably my number one. Like, mm-hmm. that's probably my number one is Slim. Obviously, because um, there might be a little bit of bias with me, but the bias comes because I see the work that she puts in. Yeah. I see the work that she puts on in on both ends of the floor, too. Like, I don't think we give two-way players enough credit in this league. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah, there's a lot of offense and people love offense and offense is flashy, but like there's something about a player that's going to hoop on both ends of the floor that like I just love. I mm-hmm. love that. Alicia Alicia Gray. Mm-hmm. Alicia Gray is another one. So happy for her with that move out of Dallas and just being appreciated and valued for who she is and what she brings. That was really special. Cheyenne Parker is another mm-hmm. one. Like, a super mom. Oh, Nafisa. Let's talk about another super mom. Yeah, yeah. Like, Nafisa is another player that I feel like probably should have been the fourth person talked about in MVP um, yeah. caliber season. Like, she really did have an amazing season. We don't talk enough about 
moms when they come back from actually having kids and how hard that is. Can't imagine. Oh my God. Crazy. Like it is crazy. So uh, I want to make sure I give a shout out to her. Kelsey Mitchell is another player that people mm-hmm. don't talk about. And I hate that shit because she is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Yeah. Uh, even better person. I want to say Aaliyah Boston. She surprised me. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. She, she had she an did amazing some, year. She had an amazing year. And, and I don't say surprise in the sense of, I just never played against her. So like the first time I'm seeing her, I'm like, girl, you are six, five for real. <laughs> like you is a legit six, five. You are strong. You're footwork, mm-hmm. your ability to just read where the rebound is going to be, yeah. your ability to, oh God, like I really was then coming in as a rookie and doing it. Like you're getting double teams thrown at you. You're, you're getting yeah. shit talked to you. You're coming in with a target on your back because you are one of the top players coming out of college. Like, I feel like that's something you need to talk about. Like, how does that feel coming out of college being like, you know what, yeah. we're top players. So we definitely have targets from them vets being like, welcome. Yeah, it's definitely an adjustment because you have a target in college, obviously, but it's different. You're yeah. a senior. You're a senior. Yeah. You're all American doing this and that. So it's like, you're like, I'm whatever. not worried about y'all. I've been through this. Like, it's yeah. fine. Who's going to match up with me? And then you get to mm-hmm. the league and it's like, okay, Olympian, I looked up to you my whole life. I had a poster <laughs> of you. And now you're over here like, oh, you're the rook. I'm going to show you what's up. And it's like, yeah. all right. Whoa. So, yeah. So it's definitely an adjustment coming in and you already have all these expectations for yourself. If it's like, okay, yeah. I'm a tough draft pick. I want this to happen. I want to be yeah. like this for my team. And it's just an adjustment coming in where it's sure. the pace, the skill level, all these different things, that mental adjustment that you have to make is different. It, it, Thinking of other underrated players, one that really yeah. comes to my mind is Jordan Canada. Had an amazing oh, yes. year. yes. Thank you for saying that. Thank amazing you for saying that. Amazing year because she was in Seattle for so long and you're playing mm-hmm. under Sue. And then when Sue was hurt, she had this huge season. It's different. Coming it to is. L.A. where they also had a lot of injuries this year. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know, she's this amazing point guard. And talking about two-way players, somebody like Slim, she was picking up full court Full every court. game locking down taking her defensive assignment so seriously the speed that she plays with the pace mm-hmm. it's never ending and so i think she had an amazing year and the Absolutely. other one also on la azara stevens yeah oh my gosh she was a sleeper for me i'd never really played against her or watched her like that and no, i was just z is tough all of a sudden i matched up and i'm like what yeah, is going hope- on like why are you pulling it in my face and then gonna yes. go back me down and I'm like, let's relax. Z it's crazy. Doesn't, she doesn't get the KD comparisons that she should. Like, yeah. when you talk about a KD, very like similar player is six, what, probably like six, five, six, mm-hmm. five, right? Like mm-hmm. six, six, tall, lanky, skinny, but like strong, her footwork, her versatility. She's a guard in a post player's body. Yeah. Like, which it's, is it's crazy. So tough. It's so, so tough. tough. But also, I'm glad you brought up Jordan because Jordan has always been that defensive, like, crazy person. But where yeah. her game truly, truly took off was her offense this year. Yeah. And just being confident. And I want to give a shout out to Athletes Unlimited because I truly mm-hmm. felt like the first year when I played in that and I came back, it was like I fell in love with the game of basketball again because we were just hooping, right? Yeah. You can find your self-confidence again. And it's like, no, I really am this player that I know. <laughs> I'm like that. And, and yeah, like I'm like that. I think the same thing happened for Jordan this year. She found her confidence in AU and she carried that shit over to LA. Like, this is my spot. Uh, this is my spot. I'm not losing it. And I'm going to mm-hmm. do it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to put you back on the map that I've always been this player. And Jordan is such a sweet human being too. Like, yeah. So I'm very, very happy genuine. for her. No, she's amazing. I think a lot of people just had great 
growth seasons this year. You can go on and on about that. That most improved race was all over the place because so many people had these breakout years, which is really special. I was like, I don't even know who you pick. Honestly, for me, Sa has always been this player, but obviously, like knowing that she's battled through injuries, yeah. and through not playing majority of the seasons, it was really good to see her win and just get those flowers because she really did have a crazy season. Yeah. But turning it towards you a little bit in your early basketball career, growing up, was basketball like, was that your thing? Or who put the ball in your hands? Why basketball? Tell me about it. So basketball wasn't always my thing. I was clearly like, if you watch me, if you watch our social media, I am hyper. Like yes. I've just always been this like hyper. I'm 31 and people are like, there's no way you're 31 because of how you act. I'm like, yeah, the kid never left me. Like, yeah. So my mom and dad blessed their hearts for having to deal with my hyper ass as a kid. <laughs> but they were like, you're playing every sport. So I yeah. would literally go from like soccer to football to mm-hmm. softball to basketball. But it was just like whatever they could do that by the time we got home at night, I would just crash. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted. So <laughs> I started basketball late around probably 12. And my aunt Dawn, who is a Hall of Famer from where we grew up in uh, Delaware County, in basketball and softball, she just was the role model for me. She made it okay for me to be a tomboy, be Mm -hmm. confident in it, to be really good at sports, to be strong and like see my strength as beauty and not as like, oh, you're too masculine or whatever, you know, people want to talk shit about. So I feel like I really did have great women role models in my life, but uh, I wanted to be like her. I wanted to be like my cousins. Uh, mm-hmm. They played basketball. That's why I took the number 15 because it was their number. And then I just fell in love with it. And I, growing up in a middle-class family, right, that my dad's working two jobs to keep a roof over our head and food on the table. Like I knew basketball was my way out. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people that look like us, that is the case. And so understanding that I could go get a college degree that I wouldn't be able to afford elsewise Mm -hmm. that I can potentially go try. And obviously I didn't know I'm a mid-major kid. So I'm like the WNBA, they're not even necessarily like on my radar. It's just like, how can I put myself in the best position moving forward through this game that God has given me like this beautiful, beautiful game. And, you know, then I go to St. Joe's, I start going crazy and I'm like, hold on. Like we're playing like we played Maryland after the mm-hmm. year I transferred out of Maryland, mm-hmm. beat them. They were top five in the country at the time. Played Syracuse when Slim was on there. We lost by one. So we were playing all these top teams in the country. Went to Notre Dame, only lost by like seven. Yeah. And in that, I was like, oh, no, I can do this. Like, I'm guarding <laughs> hey. Drew. I'm guarding <laughs> AT. Like, I'm guarding Slim. I'm, I'm guarding all these players that are top prospects for the draft next season. I think within that, the Mystics started coming to watch me. And that was so exciting for me. Like uh, a mid-major kid, an underdog, someone that's always been told like you're good, but you're not good enough. That was really special for me. So that was the only team. The only team that looked at me, that believed in me. And it was the 15th draft. That number 15 is good to me. I was the 15th pick of Mm -hmm. the 2015 draft. And I've been in D.C. ever since. So yeah. I mean, it's amazing to hear you talk about growing up, you play all these different sports, you find this love of basketball, you have this amazing role model, but you know, you start at Maryland and then mm. you transfer to St. Joe's. So what was that process like choosing Maryland? And I know transferring is a Ooh. hard thing and it's it hard because you don't know what's coming next. You're like, you envision yourself at a school, this life that you're going to have. So yeah, what was that transfer process like going from a power five to a mid-major, but still hooping on that level? Yeah. So 
the high school that I played for, Cardinal O'Hara, we were number one in the country at one point when I was in high school. Yeah, uh, little two, flex for two for state chips. Okay. Two state chips. I see okay, you. Okay, okay, we like it. But because I played on such an amazing team, like we had all five Division One players, and mm-hmm. so that got me the looks that I truly needed to uh, coming out of high school. So Maryland, it just I fell in love with it. The minute that I went mm-hmm. to campus. The minute that I got around the team, going to a game, seeing the environment, the atmosphere, like, yeah. and to those that don't know, like my background stories, I'm the only mix. I'm the youngest of five. I'm the only mm-hmm. mixed race. I am the, my whole entire family is white. My mm-hmm. O'Hara was white. Like my entire upbringing was very white. So I never yeah. got to necessarily tap into my blackness mm-hmm. until I went to Maryland. And that's why I truly, truly love Maryland so much was because of that, the diversity that it included. So I really found my blackness when I went to Maryland. And that was such a cool feeling for me. But at the same time, too, I don't feel like I was getting the respect that I deserved at Maryland either. And I say that with like Maryland being such a huge part of who I am. Like, I know Mm -hmm. I was only there for a year, but it was such a huge part in my development as a player and like understanding who I was. And obviously as an 18 year old going off into college for your first time, my grandfather got sick and then my sister got sick. And that was really hard for me when you talk about basketball is in. It is. Yes, it is a priority in our lives. But my family comes first and foremost, always. So Being two hours away, that was really, really hard for me during that time. So going and transferring back to St. Joe's, which was 25 minutes from my house and my family. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather got the opportunity to watch me for four more years in college. And my Mm -hmm. my sister being able to be there for her and my oldest niece, like that was really important for me. So that was the best decision. I just took a leap of faith. I knew that God had would always provide regardless of my decision. But when I left Maryland, I remember one of the coaches being like, that might be it for your WNBA dream. And I was oh, like, I was like, said, it's like, all right, bet. Understood. It, was, it wasn't mm-hmm. all right, bet. Because I was like, I hear you. But at the end of the day, if that doesn't happen, then God didn't have it in my plans to begin with. But I know that like, this is what he has set for me now. Yeah. So went, had a great four years, but the transfer process wasn't easy at all. Yeah. How I even ended up transferring back to St. Joe's. I remember St. Joe's recruited me out of high school and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm going, like, I'm going somewhere Bye. else. Like, I want to go away from home, yeah. all this stuff. And if I would have chose a, a college out of high school, it would have been Nova. If I would have mm-hmm. chose a local like college, it would have been Villanova. I just, I loved it. It was they have the men's team, they have football, they have a women's basketball team that gets like all the perks, the bells, the whistles. Like yeah. it was just a really cool school. But when I went home, I did a SJU camp just for extra money. You know, I'm just home for the summer. So why not? When I tell you, I felt more comfortable in that locker room with that team than I ever did for that full year that I was at Maryland. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, This is where I'm supposed to be. And I had a friend that was, I had played against her in high school when she was actually on the team, Aaron Shields. So that immediately started talking and I went home. I cried to my mom. I was like, oh, I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me go to St. John's. <laughs> Please, let me go to St. John's. Like, it's okay. So that was just to have the support of my parents too and just understanding yeah. that family came first. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of people that were like, you're dumb. You shouldn't do this. You're leaving a BCS school for why? Mm-hmm. Like, just work harder. And I'm like, people have no idea. So I came in, there was already a senior point guard. There was Mm -hmm. a sophomore point guard. Then there was me. 
Then we mm-hmm. recruited Lexi Brown after me. That was my recruit. We recruited Lexi in. We recruited Brene mostly. And so I'm like, there is six point guards. What yeah. do you think that I'm playing? So I feel like over the last few years, people have been talking shit about how much kids transfer, but it's like, mm-hmm. you do not know what the situation is at that school. Yeah. And my little experience at Maryland was one that I needed, but it wasn't sweet either. Like mm-hmm. it was really hard for me. It was really hard to feel like I was already being put into that villain role at 18 where I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out life. Like, yeah. so yeah, it was the best decision for me. So for kids, like you really have to sit with what is best for you and not best for anyone else, best for you, your family and your journey. No, you're completely right. I think the transfer portal, it's, it, there's two sides to it. Where on one side, mm-hmm. it could be like, you know, a kid is like, I'm not playing, I'm going to leave, right? There are yeah. some of the stories like that. But the, on the other much, side, there, I feel like there's more stories where it's like you talked about that feeling that you had at St. Joe's, where you get along with the girls, there's that camaraderie. Yes. I think you don't realize how much the people you're surrounded by are going to experience like just influence that experience that you're going to have. And so, Absolutely. you know, it just wasn't your people. You didn't feel comfortable, all these different things. Now you yeah. go to St. Joe's, that allows you to thrive oh in so many different ways. It's like, this <laughs> yeah. is my gang. I'm ready to go. Like, I was a I love basketball. Yeah, yeah. I love basketball game. It's just like a different type of vibe that it brings you. So I think it's amazing. And you have to play in front of your family. Like I know and how important that was. Roots. Exactly. Yeah. Like I know how important that is. Stanford is an hour away from home for me. My grandparents had to come you. to my games. Like it's just like, a different vibe, and it's so it much really fun. Is. It really it's is. It's like it really is. People don't understand how hard it is to be a professional athlete. I understand that we get paid a lot of money to do what yeah. we do in a short amount of time, but people it's don't hard. understand what what we put ourselves through. What we sacrifice more than anything is the time with our family. Yeah. Like I have nieces and nephews that I missed half of their childhood from Mm -hmm. devoting myself to this game. And even like my nephews are older now. And my one nephew after my game in New York, he sent me like this paragraph. This is paragraph about like how you're a role model, how much we look up to you, like all this stuff. I sobbed like a baby because- Oh, it means the world. It means the world. And like my text back to him was like, I know that I have been gone for a long sense of time and all these things. And obviously you make time for your family when you can and Mm -hmm. you you have to make time and you have to make sure that you're giving your, your family attention. But at the same time too, I'm like, this is why I do it. Like, I don't only play for myself. I very much play for our family. Like, and I, I very much hope that I've made y'all proud through this experience with me because you very much are carried through everything that I do. I know mm-hmm. my why. My family is my why. When it shit hits the fan and st- stuff starts going crazy, like that is my go-to saying is know your why. Because when you know your why, who you're doing it for, what you're doing it for, nothing, the adversity along the way can't knock you off your track because that's what keeps you locked in. You're completely right. That support system is everything. The ups and downs, trials and tribulations, and just like, there's going to be so many other people because of the profession that we're in. Everybody mm-hmm. feels as though they have an opinion on who we are, yes. how, how we perform, all these different things. But for me, having the understanding that like the opinions that matter to me, the people I do it for, are my family. And those yeah. are the people that you got to listen to because you get caught up next YZ, which has definitely happened to me before. And it's just, it's a slippery it, slope. Me too. <laughs> me too. It, slope. It's, it's hard so to ignore much. that shit. Yeah. It's really hard to ignore all that stuff. I'm sure you see on the show, so, social media all the time. Like there are points where like I'll have a bad game and I won't go on social media because oh, like, I don't want to see all the shit y'all talking. Like, no, because it's like, we already know. We're so analytical. I, um, I already yes. know, ma'am. I already know. You ain't got to tell me. Yes, Haley, you just, yes. <laughs> let's get snaps to that, because Lord. 
So you talked a little bit about your draft experience, 15th pick early in the second round and the Mystics being the only team that reached out. So what was that draft day experience like where it's like, you know, you only talk to the Mystics and it's like, are they going to take me? Are you going to pull the plug? Are you not? How was that draft like and being so little roster spots as you headed into the league, the nerves coming in that, having those vets on the team? I could have thrown up the whole day. Like (laughs) I could have thrown up the whole day. And I was so happy that I decided to, I just am a homebody. Like, I just wanted to experience that moment with my family and more so than anyone, like my parents and my grandparents, because they sacrificed so much for me to be able to be where I was in that moment. And my parents had the whole team over, like the whole St. Joe's team over oh, I love um, that. our house. We had like a team dinner and then we had the draft up. Unfortunately, my grandfather had gone into the hospital the same day, so he wasn't able to be at the house with us. But it was just like, I couldn't even eat. People, were, My mom was like, are you going to eat? I was like, no, I think I'm literally like, mm-hmm. I can't eat anything right now. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. Like, feel my palms and my armpits are nasty. Like, Over here, I got to take another shower. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> but then you have all the pressure of like, everyone's watching you too, which is cool. But it's like, yeah, like I'm already nervous enough. You don't have to put yeah. no more pressure on me. <laughs> and then just to see my name, I will say this. I know the W has gotten better at the draft of like the second round picks, mm-hmm. but I didn't even like hear my name announced. It was just like it popped up on the bottom of the screen, like Washington yeah. Mystics select Natasha Cloud. And we just went crazy. My parents I start bet. crying. Well, then I start crying because my parents are crying. My, <laughs> my siblings are all there like it was just a really, really cool experience. And um, when everyone left, I'm so thankful to the hospital because they actually let me go see my my grandfather past like visiting hours. And mm-hmm. so that's when I really felt it. Like I can remember going into his hospital room and like literally just falling on his chest and crying and being like, we did it. Like yeah. he was so excited. He was telling all the nurses like they clapped <laughs> for me when I came in. But just to be able to share that moment with your family that has seen you go through like all the ups, all the downs, like you said, the trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. They watch me be told I'm good, but not good enough. Like to yeah. have this moment just kind of come to to existence. That's just such a surreal. And you know it from your experience yeah. too. It is such a surreal moment for all your work and sacrifice over the past however many years to pay off in that very little moment. It becomes massive. Oh yeah. It's so hard to explain when people ask what it feels like. Because you've put in so much time and sharing Mm -hmm. it with the people who have seen you go through it all, the people who got you started with basketball is so special. Like when I got my name called, I think I blacked out. I don't really remember what happened. (laughs) Like I I watched the video of myself. I I hope so. I thought I was going to fall. Like I I hear my name called blackout. Oh, mom, dad, brother. I'm crying. I think I hugged Kathy. I talked to Holly. (laughs) Like, I'm just walking. And it was just such a blur. And then you think about it later and it's like, this really happened. Like, that was the pinnacle. It's like an outer body experience. I don't remember any of it. I have a video. Couldn't tell you if that was me or not. (laughs) It's like when you you watch film and you throw all these turnovers and you're like, who is that out there? That's not me. Who is that? Because that's not me. (laughs) Exactly. That's what you felt. But it's such a surreal experience. And so to hear that you had to share that with the people closest to you, and I'm sure your teammates were just going crazy. Like, it's just a wild experience. Because it's just like, it doesn't happen that often for mid-majors either. So for them to like experience that with me, and they still come, like my college teammates still come to games all every summer. They make it a point to come. We still hang out. We still get together. So like those relationships that we established in college, those are lifelong friendships, relationships that will 
just carry you through, right? Because uh, yeah. we don't talk about college basketball. That shit is hard. <laughs> what? It's, like, it's trauma bonding Ooh, on some level. <laughs> it is. It is. I was about to say, they break you down to build you up. And that, that breakdown point isn't fun. I'm like, the breakdown hey, is we... real. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right. Okay. We're here. Is this rock bottom? Oh this, my it feels like it. College is a lot, and there would have to be a different episode we dedicate to college, but okay, it is such a time. And then you get to the league, and it's this crazy adjustment. So it really is. What, what was that period like for you as you get to training camp, you get to the league, this and that? Was there kind of a rookie wall that you would say you hit that you had to push through and adjust to feel comfortable Ooh. in the league? So I will say when I when I came in, even though I was drafted, you know, as as a draft pick, like you still have to earn your spot. No guarantees. People don't. <laughs> none. Like, we don't There's talk none. About that. There is no guarantee. So you still have to earn your spot. So I very much went into that training camp like I need to bust everybody, mm-hmm. like including the people that have already been on this team. Mm-hmm. But again, it's another level. So high school to college is a different level. College to pros is a different level. And I will even say like college to overseas and overseas to the W is a whole other level. Yeah. So, and as a point guard, you're hitting the ground running. Like it was my rookie moment, like my first year. It's just like, we have 20 plays in this playbook. I have to remember Mm -hmm. all of them. I have to be able to put you and be confident enough as a 23 year old to tell a 31 year old, get your ass to the block. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, do you mind, like, hey, maybe yes. if you're free going to that block? <laughs> Excuse me, if you had the time of your day, I would really appreciate. And it's not oh, just really? like learning the place for yourself. The thing that got me that T gets on me about is you have to know the place, but you have to know where everybody else is. On top yes. of that, like, I have to know what actions Ryan likes, what action Alicia likes, where yes. CP wants the ball. And I have to know all this. And I'm like, all of that. What? You're like, I'm on overload. I. I just yeah. brought myself to the game today. Like, that <laughs> was a it. win for me. That was a win for me. I'm here. <laughs> yes, I made it here. Be proud. Give me a Yeah. Me I will say, I feel like I didn't necessarily have like too overwhelming because I was playing. Like mm-hmm. that was the thing. I, I think that was, I was surprised that I was playing. So I didn't, I didn't start. But midway through my rookie season, I become a starter. And I'm like, yeah. what? We have Ivy Lott on our team. Like, we have Carol Lawson. It's like, you want me to start? Yeah. Me. So that was hard. But I think my biggest, like, this is me being honest, my third year, we started making trades in the offseason. And because Mm -hmm. we were acquiring Elena and Christy, and I was terrified. I was over in Australia, like, stressing, 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 stressing. Because I was like, I think my name might be on the chopping block. Like, mm-hmm. no one is safe when it comes to acquiring big names like that. So that moment for me really put things into a lot of perspective. And that's actually when I reached out to our sports psych for the first time of like, hey, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety surrounding these trades and whether I'm, you know, going to remain in D.C. or not. And being able to, like, really just own it and... That trade refocused me. Like, okay, yeah. that was a wake up call. Like, no, this shit really does happen. So I have to figure out how to do my role to the best of my ability that they cannot bring me off the floor. On top of it, how do I make myself into a fan favorite so you cannot move me? Yep. You cannot. And, move and you me. are. And you are. Okay. A favorite. I'm like, but that very much just leaning into like my personality and who yeah. I am as a person. Like, I just want people to see. If I can just bring a little ounce of light to people, mm-hmm. that's a win for me. So that year three, the trades, 
that put a lot of things into perspective for me. I was like, I got to get my stuff together on both ends of the floor. Yeah. Well, just talking about traits, nobody's safe in this league, all this different stuff. You acquire a Hall of Famer, Elena Deladon, right? Uh-huh. What is that like? You come back from Australia and now you have more amazing players with you. What is that like working somebody of that caliber into the team? Oh you being a point guard, learning how to play with somebody like that, the tendencies, all these different things. What is that experience like? It has been the greatest blessing to my career to play alongside Elena Deladon. She is truly, truly, I, I don't care what people are saying after this season. Like, I'll get into that later. But this is, to me, this is the best player in the entire world. I played with her for six years and I got to witness and experience her greatness. And not mm-hmm. only experience her greatness on the court, but experience her humbleness and her heart off the court. And I yeah. think sometimes, which I love our league, because I feel like a lot of the franchise players are like very just dope and down to earth, right? But you do have the, the, some of those franchise players that you're like, wow, okay. Have you lost touch with reality? Because we're here on planet Earth. (laughs) We're here, okay? I've never had that from Elena. Not once in my six years of playing with her. It's always been about, yeah, like I know who I am for us, but this is, I only go as you go. I only Mm -hmm. go as we go. And so I had to quickly learn, like, this is the best player. Where do you need the ball? Like asking little things about where do you need the ball placed for your shot pocket? Like Mm -hmm. those are big things when it comes to players like that. So because she's so versatile, because she's so great at what she does, she's able to extend to the three, pass the three, NBA three. She's able to shoot off the dribble. She can post up on the block. She just has such versatility to her game. It literally makes my job as a point guard so freaking easy. So even a lot of my accolades, what I've been able to do in my career are literally a direct correlation to Elena Deladon. And I'm so Mm -hmm. thankful for that. But it got to a point where it was just like, it was Batman and Robin. Like people really Mm -hmm. referred to us as Batman and Robin because you could not stop us in the pick and roll. Like, and regardless of Elena was involved in the offense or not, like I was always going to find her. And it became a point to where like, statistically, if I was off the court, Elena's numbers went down like tremendously opposed to when I was actually on the court with her and talking about how hard it is to get to this league, but stay in this league. Like you have to find what you do and do it. Well, I did Mm -hmm. that which then made a franchise player be like, I'm not playing with any other point guard. This is my point guard. That solidified my role in DC for however many more years. So it really has been a Batman Robin thing. I've been blessed to be able to play with the best player in the world. uh, One of the most humble players in the entire world. And it really is sad to see how people approach her now. And it's not even sad. Like I'll fight about her. Like Mm -hmm. I will fight about Elena. And I don't, no one could ever, ever, ever go through what this woman went through. Three back surgeries. She won us a championship on three herniated discs in her back. We were literally shooting this girl up with medicine before our games. And she might not tell y'all, but I'm telling y'all because it's just not fair. The backlash that she receives now, like Mm -hmm. to go into a major surgery, like a back surgery and your doctor fuck it up. Your yeah. doctor that you went to, that you entrusted with your career, your life, your longevity of just like, you got to go back in. Now something's else wrong. You got to go back in. And then your recovery, Haley, she gets to the gym at 6 a.m. every morning and doesn't leave till 6 p.m. Yeah. And that has been her last three years. Not only do I have to go through back surgery after back surgery after back surgery, now 
anyone that's ever been through a major injury and has come back, you know how hard that is physically, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually to do that three times. And then to be a franchise player that's expected to be who she is, to get the backlash that she gets, people talking shit like, oh, she should just retire. Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. Because even with all of that happening, Elena was still able to come back this season and put up her average numbers. And that's without practicing. Yeah. She did not practice. Mm -hmm. So it's like, she's going to rehab her ankle. She's going to rehab her back. And then we throw her into the game. And this girl is averaging 20 points in this game. Like, that's insane to me. So Elena Deladon is one of the most special players that has ever played this game. I love that girl through and through. It's been a blessing to play alongside her. And we've done some really great things together that I'm really proud of too. Oh, yeah. I mean, just to hear the passion that you speak about Elena with. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, it is so special when you have a bond with a teammate like that. Because it's also just like who she is as a player to come back from an injury after a surgery is already hard enough. But a back surgery, some people uh, have back surgeries and you're limited for the rest of your life to have three and continue to come back and go through what she's been through. And then you're like you said, an all-star season is yeah. insane. And is insane. I feel like across the league, we all treat her with that respect. Yes. But it's the outside world it's that's like, external oh, this and that. They don't see the scout that we have to put together for that woman. It's even it's, just her, it's intense. Elena could shoot zero shots and she is still the primary target yes. of every defensive scheme. Yes. And it's just like, it's not like you're going to take something away. It's make it mm-hmm. hard. Make it yes. difficult. And that's how this it is. is. It's amazing to see what she's done. Like you, I think you put it very great. She's one of the best players to ever play this game. And I yes. think for her to be disrespected as she is, and even last year coming out and talking about, I remember it was last year, but it was some year she was talking about in her interviews, just not getting foul calls, getting that. It all comes from that oh, level of respect. she doesn't ever. Yeah. She doesn't ever. It's, it's coming from that level of respect that people need to have for her which is just different. But you talked about what she did for you in your career, but also the Mystics organization. In 2019, you guys come in and you have that championship run and you guys win, which is amazing. I remember watching that. crazy. That's when I graduated high school and it was just like watching you guys. (laughs) Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me, Haley. (laughs) I had to throw it in, but like... Damn! Watching watching how the city got behind you guys, just like the influence that you guys had that year on the WNBA was incredible. So talk me through that final sweep, just that whole year, how that season went. Because when she came in in 2017 and then all of a sudden you guys win two years later, Mm -hmm. it's an insane turnaround to have. It's an insane turnaround. And we almost fucked around and won the year before, but we just yeah. had a better, a better Seattle team. And they like, were crazy that year too. Oh, they what? Because they still had Stewie, Tosh, Sue, Alicia Clark. Like, yeah. I was like, this is unfair, bro. It don't <laughs> matter what we do on defense. Like, you have a yeah. counter to everything. So mm-hmm. when we lost in 2018, we sat in that locker room. And after the coaches left, we were like, essentially, Seattle is the version of ourselves that we want to be. We're mm-hmm. not there yet. We just saw that we're not there yet, but we're right there. Yeah, so you can be. if each of us leaves this locker room and approaches this offseason to get 1% better and to bring that back to this team, we're going to win a championship the next year. Mm-hmm. So the whole offseason, we all, like, you know, it's it's hard to stay, you know, see, it's hard to stay attached to your teammates in the offseason, like overseas and life and everything's going on. We all stayed so attached to that offseason and it was constantly running back 
run it back. Like yeah. when you're playing like pickup and you get scored up, run that shit back. Like, mm-hmm. so that's very much what our mindset was going into that 2019 season. And all of us did what we said we were going to do. We came back 1% better. So that whole training camp, like, I can't tell you, we came in. I was like, we look scary good. Mm-hmm. We have Elena Della. Our starting five was me, Christy, Ariel Atkins, Elena Deladon, Latoya Sanders, which Latoya Sanders, our coach, she doesn't get the credit that she deserves. She was our anchor for everything that year. Mm-hmm. Off our bench is Emma Misamin. That's Emma crazy. Misamin. Off the bench. Off the bench. Off the bench. It's wild. It's you wild. have an all-star. You have one of the best players to ever play in the W and doesn't get the respect that she deserves either coming off our bench. So yeah. we were just, we were scary. And I'm telling you, I've never felt more confident than that season. It didn't matter what game we went into. It didn't matter who we were facing. I was like, we're going to win. So we set all these records. We set all these offensive records, all these WNBA records as a season. But in our locker room, we had this biggest target on our back. But in our locker room, pressure is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Like, this is exactly where we wanted to be. This is exactly what we set out to do. Pressure is a privilege. Seeing the Aces in the semifinal, that was scary. That was yeah. scary because they still had Liz. It was a really good matchup. Took it to game five. And we came out of that going against Connecticut. That was like, we are going to be battle tested. And it went to a game five. That's probably the best series, championship series in the last few years. And I'm not just saying yeah. that because I played in it. But you just literally didn't know who was going to win. Mm-hmm. And that final game, there was a point where it was like four minutes left. We went or like six minutes left. We went down by eight. And I was like, oh, shit, y'all. And then here I come. I hit two threes. We right back <laughs> in. Here I go. Here I go. We hit two big. And I had not hit a shot the whole game. Like, I say that because I had not hit a shot the whole game. And here are my teammates still being confident in me enough. I think one came from Emma and the other one came from Christy Tolliver passing me the ball to shoot the three and being like, shoot that bitch. Yeah. After I hit those two threes, we didn't look back. And when that mm-hmm. final buzzer went off, I ran to Elena. Like I dropped the ball before the ball, like the clock even went down. And I looked at her and I was like, we fucking did it. Like, yeah, we did it. And to see like, as a point guard, there is nothing more that I wanted to do than to bring Elena Dillon on her first championship. She had every accolade in her career, except for mm-hmm. a WNBA championship. That's why she came to us during that year, 50, 40, 90. That's yeah. what that girl was. 50, which 40, is, 90, MVP. Which is incredible. Never been done in a women's game before. Mm-hmm. Like, again, three herniated discs. Three yeah. herniated discs. And we won. And DC was behind us. When I came in to DC in 2015, no one knew about the Mystics. Yeah. Now, we can't walk anywhere without being noticed. And that's, like, that is the coolest thing for me to see because that means we're having impact on our community. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That means that, like, our community is coming behind us. So, I don't know. That was such a surreal moment for me being a mid-major kid and underdog. I mean, I ran to my mama. Like as w- when I was done hugging the lane, I ran up into the stands, ran to my parents and my family that was up there just boohooing, crying. And mm-hmm. I just, I can't even tell you that moment was so surreal. But I will say, I'm pissed we never got a parade. We never got oh a parade. God. You never did? COVID happened. COVID happened right after it. Got you. So it was like, y'all gonna run this parade back because we fucking deserve that shit. Um, we deserve we it. I'm like, I wanna be back. drunk on the bus too, running through the city. Like, I wanna be like Asia drinking four locals out here too. 
First of all, wanna, the four locos is crazy. No, Asia, Asia, crazy for that. Like you didn't have crazy. to put that motor oil in your body after oh, My God, my hey. God, that's insane. I can't four locos on a bus, a moving no, vehicle. I did done. that in college a few times, and I just never recovered quite don't, well from it. Don't need it. Don't need don't it. need it. You don't need it. <laughs> so you guys had that amazing championship run, right? It just culminated to this amazing season. And then you talked about the next year, COVID happened. Bubble season. There's a lot going on. And during that season, George Floyd, all these different social activism movements, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And you were one of the most vocal athletes across not just WNBA, but mm-hmm. all sports being out in the media and talking about these different yeah. things, being at protests, all this different stuff in that social climate that we were in. So how was it balancing being an activist and standing up what you believe in, being an athlete? But it wasn't even like you you meshed the two together, which is something yeah. that we hadn't really seen before on such a big stage. So yeah. what was that experience like for you being so outspoken and just respected for that on some places, but it's also backlash coming so what was that like what the backlash that i received for what i do is insane like this is something that and my mama like it breaks my heart when my mama starts crying about it because in this role that i do take about the topics that i talk about i receive death threats all the time Mm -hmm. i receive death threats i receive threats i've had weird ass people like follow me. Like it is, yeah. it really is insane. And I very much understand that this is what God intended for me. So I trust him and I understand that could be a potential that something happens along the way, right? But mm-hmm. that's not going to stop me from speaking the truth and speaking for the voiceless, right? Being a voice for the voiceless. It goes back to that testament of like, this game has given us so much, but I truly believe that God intended it to be a gateway into what this is of me being a servant to my community and to others being a voice for the voiceless. And in 2020, that decision, that was the hardest decision of my life to sit that year out. Coming off a championship, coming off a personal best season for me, mm-hmm. I'm the point guard, I'm the leader, I'm the player rep. So when we're in these conversations about the bubble, I'm like, hold on now. Like our, our money isn't guaranteed. It mm-hmm. was just like, it was a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, it was a lot going on all at once. But then again, you have the reality of you are a Black woman in America. So everything that is happening, whether we it affects us directly or not, we feel all that trauma. Mm-hmm. As Black and brown people in America, we feel that trauma every single day, whether we knew George, whether we knew Brianna, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. we have the potential to be them. The moment I leave my house, I have the potential to because of the color of my skin, because I'm a woman, because I'm, uh, I present as gay, like I have the potential to be harmed. That's a scary reality. I don't even have to leave my house. You can come into my house mm-hmm. and literally kill me, the people that are supposed to serve and protect, right? So at that moment, there have been such a shift in our country and really just as a whole of like, we can no longer trust in our politicians yeah. So people turn to athletes, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, we're we're put on these these stages and all the bright lights are on us. But when we take those jerseys off, we face the same issues that y'all face every single day. So where these politicians who have had a silver spoon in their mouth their entire life, they don't know what it means to work two jobs. They don't know what it means to give your kids f- food money instead of eating yourself. They don't understand what we go through. Athletes do. And so I think that's where the shift started to happen. And 
there had never been such a momentum behind Black Lives Matters, especially after the George and Brianna stuff, because we had been screaming it for years, but our white counterparts never truly understand because it's not something they face. And Mm -hmm. I know that's really hard. And even in my family, having those conversations of like, there is a privilege there that yes, because you don't live this life and it doesn't affect you, that it doesn't necessarily fall on your radar. But now you are seeing it for however many minutes that video was of George being killed in broad daylight. You now see it. So people were outraged. Our allies were outraged for the first time. And like, I was like, we have to capitalize off this moment here right now, because this Mm -hmm. is where the shift is going to start to happen. And I sat with it. I was honest with Coach T about it. He was great. Like the Mystics organization, they understood what my stance was and who I was. And I was super appreciative of that because, again, it's not only hard to get in our league, it's hard to stay in our league. And then you're voluntarily being like, I'm not playing. I didn't know if my job was going to be there when I got back. That's the honest truth. And Mm -hmm. again, just trusting in God, trusting in my circle. Like I woke up one morning and was like, this is what I'm finna do because this has been weighing on my heart. And I, Don't feel like I can go into the bubble and be a champion on the floor and for my team and also be a champion in my community as well. Because that bubble, what people didn't entail, that bubble, you couldn't leave. Like you couldn't ever leave because COVID was literally just hitting us. So I want to be in the rooms that are having hard dialogues and passing legislation and making decisions. I want to be on the front lines at protests. I want to, as athletes, we can be put on such a pedestal sometimes. Take us off. Because we face these Mm -hmm. same problems every single day and you guys need to see us as a part of the solution. And so the only way that we can bring a solution is by listening to the people that it affects the most. So that's what I did. I linked up with grassroots organizations that have devoted their entire lives and their entire beings to these causes. I understood that I don't know everything, but I understand that I have a really good heart. I know right from wrong. I'm very intelligent. I Mm -hmm. understand how things are supposed to work. I understand how our government works, but how it really is supposed to be intended to work. But like how America operates is intentional. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to operate this way in a way that it keeps black and brown people out and down. And so it's like how those low hanging fruits that you were talking about earlier, what are the tangibles that I, as an athlete, with my platform, with all the people that I know, with all the resources that I can utilize with the Mystics organization, with our friendships of like knowing each other, knowing the NBA players, like how do we combine our platforms during this time to really implement change that this country needs? And I'm really proud of myself for that year because I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about humanity too, of like, we're not in this alone. And I think- That was the bridge of the gap that we needed, especially between us and the NBA. They had Mm -hmm. separated us for so long. And why do they separate us? Because our platforms are more powerful together. So I think finally, like being able to be in those rooms to partner up with our NBA brothers and be like, all right, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing to better our communities? What are we doing to make sure that we're shedding light on issues that face people that look like us every single day? How do we make voting easier in an election that means so much to this country? How do we... It was crazy. People are like, oh, you just took the year off and all this stuff. I'm like, I worked from morning until night. And what people don't understand is this is traumatic. So Mm -hmm. every single day from nine to like five, I'm reliving my traumas. 
Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be vulnerable so other people can understand. I'm having to deal with ignorance and privilege because they don't understand. And then on top of it, I'm just having to deal with blatant racism, ignorance. Like there was a lot of nights that I ended up just like, I would have to turn my phone off. I would be so depleted. I would cry. I would, it was not easy in any sense, but again, just following on my God has a bigger prophecy for me. And I truly believe that this is what it is. And trusting that even though I sat out the W season, like because I followed his plan for my life that he will always provide. And Converse was such a huge piece in that too, because I went into that understanding I was taking zero dollars from my salary. So I didn't know what I was going to do, Haley. Like Mm -hmm. just being honest with you, I don't play overseas like that anymore. I maybe did like maybe three years overseas. So it's like I'm watching my account dwindle down and here comes Converse being like, yeah, here comes Converse being like, hey, we love you. We support you. This is exactly why we signed you to not only your talent on the floor, but who you are for your community off the floor. We're going to make sure your family is okay during this time and we're going to pay your WNBA salary. When I tell you, like I got chills talking about it now, I sobbed. Like I sobbed because that moment for me was God will always provide. Mm-hmm. When you follow what his plan is for your life, when you just lean into the things that you know are right, he will always provide. And so I'm really thankful for Congress for that, but also just thankful for the people that I worked with along the way, people that teamed up with me, the people that educated me and helped me be what I was during that time for the community that desperately needed it. You said that also eloquently and so put together. I mean, Congress is amazing for doing that, but I think it just speaks yeah. to the character that you have a lot of people are afraid to be the person that you were. Take a step back from basketball for all these different yeah. reasons. And it goes back to the theme we were talking about where we're more than basketball, right? It's a yes. pathway to figure out your greater purpose. And for you, yeah. it's this. And mm-hmm. so I think partnering up with the NBA, doing these different things with grassroots organizations, I think it's all so special because it talks about there was a whole shut up and dribble movement a few years ago. Yeah. And it's showing that you can use your platform as a basketball player to do greater things beyond just the realm of sports. For and sure. So you took that, you're doing social activism, all these amazing things. And mm-hmm. I think the influence that you had over other athletes, like we had a conversation about what you were doing at Stanford and well, talking about like, that. and just like different things that then we could do and those tangible things that you can change. And yeah. you also touched upon like having, you know, a white family and I'm mm-hmm. mixed as well. And yeah. so it's the conversations that happen in your own household where it's like- That you know, are hard. Yeah, and it's my dad taking me and my brother to a protest here in Santa Cruz and just him yeah. understanding. And it's it's a difficult place. That. Oh, yeah. It's a difficult place for them to be in because you have kids that are black and brown and you don't share yes. the same experiences. So what can yes. I do to protect my own family from things that I don't deal with myself? Yes. And so it's having those type of conversations with your families, with your teammates, different people in your life and sharing that message that, you know, it's going to spread and the things that they can do to then change it. Because honestly, it's like you talked about, like having those allies in arms where now that they speak about it too, it takes it a whole nother level. It takes it a whole... Now it's a real, real thing, which is unfortunate, but you have to play into the system because people talk talk a lot about, you said like the system, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a broken system because the way that it was built, it is functioning very well. It is functioning as it was intended to. A high level. And so Mm -hmm. it's just having those conversations and, you know, legislative processes, all those different things to actually make a real difference. So I think it's so special that you talk about using using your platform in all these different ways that it allows you to and making it that way. 
I love that. I want to say one more thing before we get like move off to the next topic or whatever. But like, I think the the biggest thing that I've learned through my advocacy too is like people, allies, everyday people are scared to speak out because they don't know what they can do. Like mm-hmm. they don't know how much power they have. We had a lead call with Michelle Obama and I love the Obamas. So I was super hyped. But the yeah. one thing that I took from her and that I've shared with like everyone, even the, like especially kids, because I feel like the next generation is the generation that's really going to make changes that this country needs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an athlete, celebrity or someone with status to have no. impact on your community. It starts with your every single day. It starts in how you handle your home. It starts on how you raise your kids. It starts in how you allow people in your everyday life to navigate like if you're in school and you see a bully call the bully out like oh yeah and when you get into the greater scheme of things of now we're facing real life issues with these same bullies that we saw in elementary school middle school high school that were never fucking checked so when they became full-grown adults no now it's just blatant racism yeah so how can we just nip things in the butt within our own every single day lives and our workspaces with our friends and our allies? Like, mm-hmm. I don't truly think our allies know how important they are. Even my mom being like, my mom will be like, yeah, I got into an argument with someone today. And I'm like, what'd you get in the argument about? She was like, she'll like talk about a social issue that now my 60 year old mama, like that just grew up in a white mama that just grew up in a different time too is like, well, no, that's just not how stuff works. Yeah. Because she's taken the time to educate herself, to listen to me, to listen to what I face, even though she might not have faced it. My mom always understood that when I walked out of the house and when my siblings walked out of the house, it was two completely different things. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be a celebrity or someone with status to have impact. You just have to have the will to be able to voice and just call stuff out in the bigger picture of things could really make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, you're completely right. Just find that small, tangible thing that you can start with. And then from yeah. there, you can grow, you can do whatever you want to do, take it in whichever direction you want to. But yeah. one thing you talked about a lot was the Mystics organization and what they did for you during that time, allow take a year off and really yeah. go for it. And so I think that's that's really special because honestly in the league not every it team is going to and not every team is going to give you that same opportunity to go do that. Yeah. So what was that like moving from taking a season off, focusing on all these things, which you still focus on now, but then yeah. transitioning back into the league for that next training camp. So what was, was ha- what was that like? It was hard because COVID was not nice. I put on so much weight too. I was just in the house. <laughs> No, for real, Haley, I put on like 15 pounds. I'm not even being funny. Like, yeah, I've figured out like what my playing weight is. It's around like 150 to 155. During that COVID, I bumped up to 185. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not playing. So, cool. That was hard. But the whole point of 2020 was, okay, I'm going to sit this year out and I'm going to make sure that I have everything working. I'm aligning with the right companies that when I do decide to go back and play, that even while I'm on the court, everything is working behind the scenes yeah, as it everything's should. Everything's set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm still being a champion in my community while I'm still being a champion on the court as well. And I, that's why I didn't feel like I could do that in 2020 because I didn't establish the community stuff yet. Mm-hmm. And because I had everything, I had worked my ass off and I had set everything up. Now I can really just focus on basketball. And then when I need to implement on those things that are working behind the scenes for my advocacy, like that's cool. Coming back into the team in 2021, that was a little bit different because we looked really different. Elena mm-hmm. just had her back surgery. Me, Elena, and who else stayed out of the bubble? 
Um, so it was Emma Misaman. Maisha had a crazy year in the bubble. A had a crazy year in the bubble. We had lost AP. We had lost uh, Emma. We had brought in Tina Charles. It was a lot. Yeah, that, that big whole difference. year. So it was a huge difference. So again, just figuring out like, okay, how do I be the leader of this team that this isn't the same 2019 that, mm-hmm. that we won with. So like, this is completely different. I've been out of it for a year. It took me a while to like, feel like, okay, I'm back to like feeling good about my play. Cause that mm-hmm. was the hardest thing is I haven't seen live action for about a year and a half, almost two years now. So yeah, that was an adjustment, but probably midway through the season, you start to hit your stride. You start to feel more comfortable, more like yourself. And again, the Mystics organization was phenomenal. So even with like me sitting out and coming back, everything was set up so that I could just come back and just easily like adjust back to the Mystics and what it meant to be a part of the Mystics. And then them with my advocacy presenting, we're in Washington, D.C. We're in the most powerful city in the entire world. Like, that is why I challenge us as an organization. I challenge our organization all the time. I know they love me, but I know I'm a pain in their ass because <laughs> I'm not taking crumbs. Like mm-hmm. we have a chance to make real impact and we're going to be about what we say we're about. And I love that they are okay with being held to those standards, but they really were great for just like plugging me in with the capital, plugging yep. me in with every town that's a nonprofit. Like Putting you in are. touch putting you in touch with the capital and just all these different organizations doing things outside of basketball. It was really special. Like we said, not yeah. every organization is going to set you up in those different ways. No. But, you know, a lot of this, the platforms that we have, the things that we're able to do from it, a lot of it comes from this newfound coverage that women's sports is getting. And it's a line of like, you know, being appreciative and thankful of where we are and where we are. Mm-hmm. But like, you're still wanting more. You're unsatisfied yes. with where we're at. But it's For been sure. growing. What do you think are some of the ways that the coverage of the game has been getting better over the years that you've been in the league and even through college, like you've seen it really grow throughout your career. So what has that been like to be a part of that change? It's been really cool. Obviously, now that you're in the league, I know you feel it too. Like we want to leave this game better than when we found it. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that I've been a part of the 144 that has made this league and pushed it forward to the point that you can come in and get more coverage. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't also take away from what you did in college and what other college players are doing. Like the fact that LSU and Iowa game like was as popular as it was. I went to it. I was so excited. Like I went to it like... It was really, really dope to just finally see, like, we've been deserving of this. We deserve the same respect. We deserve the same investments Mm -hmm. that all of our counterparts get when it comes to being supported. And so when I came in in 2015, it was like, we got a lot of work to do, y'all. Like, this ain't really necessarily it. But obviously, we've worked our asses off to get to this point. I think the biggest changes have been, like, obviously investments into our league from different companies. The main thing is the media, right? Mm-hmm. Like the media that covers us. I'm like little things like TNT. Candace Parker is on your shit all the time. Why have you not played the W game yet? Yeah. Why have you not made that investment into our league when you have one of the best that has ever played the game of basketball under your contract to begin with? Mm-hmm. Like that's the part that kills me is still not seeing the full investment into women in sports. Like even we can talk about the NWSL. I won't even mm-hmm. talk about the WNBA. I think they've made a crazy ass jump in the last two, three years. For real. And it's from what investment of women, like the fact that you have women owners that are like actresses and you have people that 
are CEOs and women CEOs that are investing into your league. I love that. Mm-hmm. Now, where I get mad is where is the disconnect? Mm-hmm. What does your demographic look like opposed to what our demographic look like? And then it yeah. becomes a conversation of why do we not support Black women? Mm-hmm. So that's still where I very much feel like we need to grow is our investment into Black women. Because I see it in the NWSL. I, I see mm-hmm. the investment into white women and mm-hmm. I love it. There is nothing that makes me happier. I'm trying to go to a game on the 15th in LA. Like, yeah, yeah. I love that shit. I love that we have the spirit in DC. I go to the games all the time. Like Trinity Rodman, that was when we drafted her, I was so hyped. I was like <laughs> yeah. a fangirl. So I love it. But like that's, that's the thing that still gets me is that People are like, why do you always talk about race? Because unfortunately, I have to. Unfortunately, I have to. So while our league has grown tremendously over the last eight years that I've been a part of it, we still have so much room to go. Mm -hmm. And that just simply comes from people respecting investing into Black women. So I don't know when that's going to change. I hope that we continue. We're obviously going to continue to push. But the one thing that I will say, I'm so proud of black and brown women over the last few years. We don't settle for shit anymore. You're not giving Mm -hmm. us crumbs. We're not accepting crumbs anymore. We want a meal. Why? Because we the meal. We want a whole meal. Give me the full course meal. You are correct. You not, not you blushing a little bit. The analogy, <laughs> the analogies all day have been killing all me. Day. So good. But I mean, you're so right. You're so right. Because it's when you talk about like the growth and that LSU mm-hmm. and Iowa game and just the WNBA being more, it's when you give us the platform, you see yes. what then happens. And then you, you talk see the about the return. And it's just like with the NWSL. Like, I'm a fangirl of so many I'm people with the NWSL. And it's just like, the coverage that they're getting and the way that they've been able to grow. And then you talk about the demographic change and the differences yes. between the different leagues that we have. They've had and expansion. It's like, they've had expansion exactly, already. Which is crazy because their league is a lot younger. Yes. But it's wild to think about because people say, I talk about race so much, all these different things that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have to, you wouldn't. But it has to be a part of the conversation because that's the way that we are right now. And I as think it's just kid, it's just different. It is. And you know, as a mixed kid, we wouldn't talk about race if we didn't have to. Like we very much, even as mixed kids, we have a privilege. We yeah. have a privilege as light-skinned mixed kids. Like, Which is so crazy. It's so, so crazy. crazy. Yeah. But like that self-accountability is like, that's what we need. But yeah. That's the thing. Like, if we didn't have to talk about race, we wouldn't. We don't want to anymore. We want to be, we want to have equity across the board for who we are as a human being. I want you to see my heart before you see my skin. Mm -hmm. And I want you to see my heart before I, who I'm deciding to love. Mm -hmm. That's what I want you to see. And then I want you to tell me that you don't fuck with me as a human being for any other thing besides my heart. Like, yeah, that's what it really comes down to. So I just want people to invest in us. Snaps. That's it. Snaps. Snaps. On a roll. On a roll the whole day. (laughs) So we're going to head into our last section, which is Mm -hmm. a rapid fire portion we call the vibe check. So we've had some guests are yeah. So some guests are great at the rapid fire aspect. Some are not so great. So I'm excited to see where we fall. I'm a little nervous (laughs) now. Not too. No, no, no. Privilege. You're a privilege. You're going to kill it. Look, I sat up. This is the competitor in me because I sat up and I'm like, okay, focus, girl. This is the time to bring out that fire. No more water. Straight fire Let's do this. Okay, so what's the one drill you never want to see on your practice plan? Anything full court. (laughs) Easy. I want to say half court. We could go for three hours half court, but just make it half court. 
I'm with you. Okay, yeah. who's best dressed in the league? Ooh, there's a few. I'm going to put uh-huh. myself there. Slim, Shatori, Enrique, Diamond, Izzy, and Olivia. Olivia oh. from Connecticut. She yep. been going crazy. And she you know what? We're going to talk about uh, Christina Nigway because that's who's been styling her. Her, and also her styling line? Tiff Hayes. Oof. Tiff Hayes. She's been uh-huh. styling the both of them. So if y'all haven't tuned in, go check out Christine's line because that shit is crazy. She's so talented. Great plug. Great, great list too. Really good yes. list. Okay. Yes. Game-winning shot or game-winning block? Game-winning block. We defense first. Love it. And one or three-pointer? And one because I'm going to flip. And one! You see what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Toughest place to play in the W? Ooh, New York. New York is tough. That is um, tough. What's your go-to trash talk line? Oh, this ain't what you want. I got to go with my Philly song. This ain't what you want. <laughs> I'm weak. No, I'm I've weak. also used, I've also used you not about that life because a lot of people in our league tried to talk shit, but I'm like, but you won't see me outside after this. So yeah, you're, you're not, not about, about that life. <laughs> All right. Those are good. Those are good. Who's the biggest trash talker in the league? Oh my gosh. Whew. There's a lot. I, there's a lot. It's hard to pick. I think recently Tiff is funny. Like Tiff will talk her shit and that, yeah. that's funny. Slim won't necessarily talk unless she's like egged on to talk. Then she's going to talk her shit. Marina, uh, Marina's a shit talker. Mabry, she is a she shit talker. Talking. She be yeah. talking. She do be talking. She the, be other talking. One, the other one people be saying is DT. DT talks. Oh, what? Talks. D- Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum can Ooh, be one too. Her too. Her too. But she won't talk shit to me. She won't talk shit. They're, they're, that's love. That's yeah. my love. All right. Who's the hardest player to guard? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm going to say for me, Satu, because Satu is 6'5. So yeah. there's like, there's only so much I can do, right? Of mm-hmm. like staying in front of her. Satu is really hard to guard. Arike is so hard to guard. Yeah. That girl is just like, she can shoot when she comes over half court. Yeah. Tip is another player. Alicia Gray is another player. And Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like the list just goes on. The league is the deep. list goes. That is like something that has been the question people have been asking me recently, and I have to give a bunch of answers. And I'm like, that just shows the growth of our league too, and yeah. how much better we've gotten every single year. Like someone is going to murk you. You any night you can get a thirty piece on your head in our league. That's true. You're right. Who's got the best handles? Chelsea Gray. Yeah, insane. And then biggest flopper. Oh. Sophie Cunningham. <laughs> Sophie Cunningham or Sabrina Ionescu. That's a I'm, I'm saying y'all names. Listen, we love y'all. Y'all great hoopers, but y'all be motherfucking flopping out here and it makes me so mad because they give you the calls. <laughs> they give you the calls. You are so funny because those are big common answers, but everybody else is like, oh, can I say? And then I'll give them one. You're like, no, no I'm going to say that shit with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're dead. both phenomenal teammates, but I hate playing against them. Like, yeah. I hate playing against those two because they're going to flop. You're going to get your second <laughs> foul. And now your ass on the bench in trouble. Like, the fuck? You're too good. Okay. Um, <laughs> your, your biggest basketball ick. Okay. Mistakes happen, right? Mistakes yeah. are a part of the game. We're trying to be perfect in an imperfect game. Don't make the same mistake two, three times. All right. Don't, yeah. don't make the same. And if another one, if we come out of a timeout and you don't know the play that we just drew up, I'm pissed. Because you could have asked. You could have mm-hmm. asked. Mm-hmm. There was too much time for you to ask for him to redraw it up or to ask me as your point guard, where am I supposed to be? Yeah. Because now yeah, yeah, yeah. you're running the wrong and I'm being guarded 90 feet from the basket and you're pissing me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one got some passion. Earbud came flying out. 
Passionate. Everybody came flying out. You better know. You better okay. know. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Like. Okay. I what's feel your like I, Um, if you talk trash, but you're not backing it up, why Ooh. are you talking? Why are you, why are you talking, talking to me? Yeah, that's like, why I was nervous about that New York game. I was like, I talked a lot of shit that I need to back up. I better up back now. it up. Let me I better in. back that shit up. I'm weak. I'm I listened weak. to Meek Mill all day. I listened yeah, to four it's songs. It's time to go. Meek Mill, straight Meek Mill. I was straight Mill. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's what you need. That's what you need. Okay, I feel like you know your answer, but who's your GOAT? Oh, my GOAT always Elena, though. Dog. Yep. My, my GOAT is always Elena. Outside of Elena, Sue is my GOAT. Okay. Sue okay. is my GOAT. Those are good picks. Those are good picks. How about you? No, I'm going with Maya Moore. I loved Maya Moore growing up. Mm. I love Maya too. She's a good. That was my. That was my person when I came into league. Was on the free throw line. I was like, can I get an autograph? Oh my god, get an autograph. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a real thing. Even coming to the dream, I was like, mm. okay, let me be cool. My, let me my, be cool. My, my one fan girl was AD. And I was like, oh, AD is tough. Because AD I I tough. watched them at Louisville and I was like, AD and our lockers are right next to each other. And I was like, I came in the first day, I listened to the locker. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. She's, I was like, I'm your biggest They're fan. so sweet too. They're so yes. sweet too. They are the sweetest. But okay, yes. our last question is your best impersonation of Coach T. Give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> so Coach T actually doesn't do a lot of like, he won't verbalize his frustration, but mm-hmm. like he is very much a, he's going to get beat red. And the minute that you see his hands, go to his head, <laughs> I see it. He like, I know that that going into the GM role, like, yes, it, he was so happy for his son to take over, but like, this man coached for his entire life. So that moving to a GM and a GM only, I would see him on our sideline because he sits courtside and he mm-hmm. would still, oh my God. Still see it. He would still be talking shit to the refs too. He'd be like, Elena Del Don doesn't get a so <laughs> he's not he's not like much of a talker, but if he gets but the red, hand, the hand and the face. hand, if the hand goes to the forehead and back, like when I see him do it, it immediately still triggers me to be like, oh, we're oh, fucking yeah. up. Oh, we yeah. are messing up. So yeah, I feel like every coach, every coach has that thing. It's like PTSD. It's like, oh my God. Yes. Like oh my, my high school huh. coach, my high school coach to this day. If I hear a whistle, I'm like, where is she? She's here. Where is she? But it's a thing. <laughs> but I lied. My last question is those four Meek Mill songs that got you hyped up. What Ooh, were they? The people okay. need to know for their next game. Dreams and Nightmares, 1942. What else did I have on there? Levels. And there was one more. Oh, uh, the intro to championships. Oh, those are good. So I had those four that songs. Got you ready. It just, that got you ready. It just kept me locked in. Like I, I'm normally before games, I'm normally like happy, my normal, like light, annoying self. That game, I didn't talk to no one. I didn't smile at no one. Hoodie on, you're up in that locker yeah. room. Ready Elena to go. Was like, I knew you was ready to go because you wouldn't even look at anyone. I was like, because I was in such a villain mode. <laughs> yeah. It's like one part during the game that Maisha like said something to me, and I was like, huh. She was like, whoa. And I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm so I'm sorry. I, really, up. I was like, I am in this villain role through and through. I am dedicated to it. I'm sorry. I'm weak. You're becoming like a method actor. You're locked in. I'm the villain today. I'm like, I'm, I'm like I understand why actors and actresses can't get out of their roles. Like, I get it. I love that. That's amazing. But this yeah. has been so much fun. Thank you so I much for being on. This I, I love every so moment. Much. 
I'm glad I got to know you on a deeper level too, because yes. right, I can be a fan from the far, but I, <laughs> I really am a fan of not only your play, but who you are as a person. And I love you and your boyfriend's TikToks. <laughs> when y'all oh, <laughs> you are hilarious you are hilarious oh, but no, no. this has yeah, been so, so great I really appreciate you coming on yeah, I'm a huge you. fan a huge fan that's a mutual thing let me know what you're doing this all season if I'm in on the west coast we'll have to link you know. yeah, we'll have absolutely. to link I would love I that but this has been another episode of Sometimes I Hoop thank you everyone for tuning in and this has been Natasha Cloud such a superstar yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that but annoying is the one thing yeah <laughs> I'm dead. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.Jones, that's no I in Haley, and three S's in Jones, to get all the Sometimes I Hoop content. You can also watch the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support. <laughs>